0: Welcome to the ACCP Resident and Fellowship Podcast, a podcast for residents, by residents. My name is Faisal Minhaj and I am a PGY2 emergency medicine pharmacy resident at the University of Rochester Medical Center. We will be joined on the show today by Mercy hong another PGY2 emergency medicine resident at the University of Rochester Medical Center, and we'll be discussing and one of the new reversal agents for oral factor ten a inhibitors. Hi, Mercy. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me. Of course. So just to start the discussion off, how are the bleeding rates associated with the oral factor Xa inhibitors compared to bleeding rates associated with warfarin for AFib and for VTE or venous thromboembolism?
1: So for the indication of atrial fibrillation, randomized trial for the oral factor 10 as inhibitor, trials such as the Rocket AF, Aristotle, Engage AF, Timi 48 have demonstrated a 2 to 3% risk of major bleeding and a 0.1 to 0.5% risk of intracranial hemorrhage compared to 3% for major bleeding and about 0.7 to 0.9% for intracranial hemorrhage with warfarin. So overall a slightly lower with the oral factor 10a, but not statistically significant. For the indication of VTE, a systematic review and meta-analysis of five trials performed by Vander Hooley and colleagues in 2014, with about 24,000 patients, have demonstrated a relative risk of 0.5 compared to warfarin. In other words, DOACs have 50% lower risk of major bleeding compared to warfarin.
0: Interesting. What are current treatment options for bleeding in patients on oral factor 10A inhibitors?
1: So, until recently, there has been no direct reversal agent, and prothrombin complex concentrate or PCC have been used to provide coagulation factor support for bleeding patients. In May 2018, the US FDA approved andexanet alpha, which is a recombinant modified human factor 10A decoy proteins that binds factor 10A's inhibitor, restoring endogenous factor 10A's activity and coagulation.
0: With that in mind, on what we have historically used to reverse the DOAX, what are the efficacy and safety data for andexanet?
1: In healthy volunteer trials and restore anti factor 10a activity by 20 to 73% for rivaroxaban and adoxaban, depending on anti factor 10a's dose administered. The Nexa A trial, looking at the Pixaban, and the Nexa R trial, looking at Rioraxa evaluated andexanet for reversal in about 145 healthy volunteers. And anti-factors 10A activities was rapidly reduced within two to five minutes after IV bolus compared to placebo. And we're looking at the difference between 94% reductions versus 21% reductions for pixavan pixaban and about 92% reductions versus 18% reductions for raroxaban. And this was sustained during the two hours infusion, but rebounded quickly after. In august twenty sixteen, the US FDA declined a approval, requesting additional efficacy and safety data and the inclusion of a and an inoxaparin. Then we have the Anexa 4, which is an open label trial, evaluated and Dexanet reversal of Riraxaban, Apixaban, edoxaban, and Anoxaparin in patients with acute major bleeding. And an interim report of the study was published in late 2016. And in May 2018, the US FDA approved and Dexanet alpha, and its full release occurred this year. The full study report of 352 patients were published in February 2019, which found reduced antifactor 10 as activities, 92% for both rivaroxaban and apixaban from baseline, and hemostatic stability in 82% of 249 patients, following endosinac bolus and infusion. The study regimen was a 400 or 800 milligram bolus. Followed by 480 or 960 milligram two hours infusion, just depending on the last dose of anti factor 10 medications, um, which is the cutoff is about seven hours. There was persistent anti factor 10 activity reduction during the infusion, but at four hours after, there was relative decreases from baseline of 42% for rivaroxaban and 32% for Pixivan in anti factor 10 activity. Specific concern with an extra fours are you know, lack of a comparator group, rebounds effects of anti-factor 10 days activity, and the high thromboembolic event to TTE rate of about 10% within 30 days.
0: That's interesting when considering most trials when you think about drug approval have some kind of comparator group, which is understandably difficult when there is no established standard of care. It reminds me of the adiracizumab trials and how it got approved with simple observational studies. However, knowing that before we did frequently use PCCs for the reversal of factor 10A inhibitors, how do they compare in terms of efficacy and safety?
1: So, historically, the four factor PCC has been used for warfarin reversal. So we're looking at a study conducted by Soro and colleague, and this is a multi-center, open-label, randomized plasma control, non-inferiority phase 3B trial. Compare four-factor PCC versus FFP in about 216 patients on vitamin K antagonists with major bleeding. And a patient in the four-factor PCC group achieved INR correction more rapidly than those in the plasma group. And this effect was sustained at 24 hours after a startup infusion. Effective hemostasis was achieved in 72% of the patients in the four-factor PCC group versus 65% in the plasma group with no increased thromboembolic risk. confirmed the non-inferiority of four-factor PCC to plasma for acute warfarin reversal. And now we have more study looking at the use of four-factor PCC for DOAC reversal specifically in one prospective cohort study conducted by Majit and colleague of the use of prothombin complex concentrate, and they use a range of fixed dose from 1,500 to 2,000 units in 84 patients with acute major bleeding associated with rivaroxaban or apixaban with intracranial hemorrhage in 70% of the patients at 25 centers in Sweden. And the study reported effective hemostasis occurred in 69% the patient with 4% with thrombotic complication. Another study, prospective cohort study at nine Canadian hospital conducted by Schumann and colleague, with 66 patients with acute major bleeding associated with rivaroxaban or apixaban. Most of them receive a fixed dose of 2,000 units of PCC, and the study reported good hemostasis in 65% of the patient, moderate hemostasis in 20% of the patient, and only 8% with thrombotic complication.
0: That's good to know where PCCs originally started and how they kind of branched out to all these different agents. But I think one of the biggest contentions and apprehensions to using Indexinet Alpha, besides the clinical data, has been the really high cost. Could you speak to that a little bit and other considerations of Indexinet versus PCC specifically?
1: Yeah, I think the high cost of Indexinet is definitely something that we should consider. The cost of Indexinet is about $24,000 or $49,000, depending on the dose compared to four-factor PCC, which is only about $3,000. And yes, there are other concerns that we should consider as well. For example, the rebound anti-factor 10A activities. With that, there is a possibility or request for repeat dosage. Extended infusion would or without additional bolus doses in case of prolonged life-threatened bleeding. Basically, there's not enough information available on how to dose or manage a patient with continued bleeding as far as repeat doses of a dexanet embolic risk is also higher than PCC, which is only about 7%, and it is unknown if additional and infusion further increase this thromboembolic risk. And with our randomized, controlled, comparative studies, it is challenging for us to determine definite efficacy compared to current care and no guidance on use for anoxaparin, adoxaban, or patruxaban, since it was only approved for rivaroxaban and apixaban. Now, the full report of an xf 4 trial only included 16 anoxaparin patients in the efficacy group and only 20 for the safety group. It also only included 4 adoxaban patients in the efficacy group and only 10 adoxaban patients in the safety group. There are also logistic concerns with preparation, as the bolus and infusion are given sequentially. The questions arises in regard to preparation of the dosage into one versus two bag, and each 100 milligram and 10 ml vial may take three to five minutes to dissolve. So you're looking at nine to 18 vials required for the low and high dosage. As a comparison, PCC can be prepared quickly at the bedside within one to two minutes, with much fewer vials. Also, there is concern if half of the dosage of the dexanet will remain in the line if it is not flushed after the bowl is an infusion. So institution must identify the quickest and safest preparation prior to making a available on their formulary.
0: So I think a lot of what you brought up here is the question that is one strategy superior to another? that's kind of what we see with these newer reversal agents. When we saw idarucizumab, we knew that instead of the strategy of providing additional factors to the patient, we are now trying to bind the drug up for this short amount of time and allow enough time for the body's natural coagulation, uninhibited proteins to try and cause hemostatic efficacy versus just providing those factors. And it's hard to know what's really better than the other when You're looking at idarucizumab or IndexNet Alpha, both agents that just bind up their target drug for a short amount of time relying on the body's natural coagulation cascade to cause that hemostatic efficacy and then once the drug is no longer there especially within dexanet once that infusion is done we see that natural rebound of that anti 10 activity and they're returning to this anticoagulated state So that's kind of question as for, is this really appropriate? And with the PCC method, it relies more on providing these uninhibited factors for hemostasis. So in your opinion, which strategy really seems to be more appropriate?
1: You know, that's a great question. We don't really know which strategy works better, but with the limited clinical data and lack of comparison studies, the cost considerations, preparation difficulties, our institution at the University of Rochester has not added it to our formulary. And we were looking at the ACCP PRNs and only a small number of institutions have added it to the formulary. We're looking at only six institutions out of 25 institutions that responded to the most recent survey. And all of those hospitals have restrictions on its use. It will most likely take a few years to gather data to have a more definitive answer to
0: that great question. Thank you, Mercy. And thank you for listening to this month's episode of ACCP Resident and Fellowship Podcast, a podcast for residents, by residents. For more episodes and other resident and fellow resources, visit our website at www.accp.com slash That's accp.com slash R-E-S-F-E-L. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the ACCP podcast for residents by residents. Our theme music is titled Jupiter's Smile by the 126ers and is provided through YouTube's free audio library. Please subscribe to the ACCP podcast to be notified of new episodes.